Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What it is, welcome to the wise men. And uh, we're just getting wiser. Uh, joining us today is Kevin, a.k.a. A-Rai, two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion and Victor in 74, Trevor <laughs> Murdoch. Uh, yeah. uh, any angle, as long as it's his angle, Aaron, Idol, and of course, the one and only EC3. So uh, we got a full, full squad and special guest today. It's good to be a wise man. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, sir. And Mike uh, Bennett will be in the house. We are, we are growing first, in number and wisdom. And was, jitters, sorry. I took a pre-workout thing and I was going to get a quick workout in before the show today. Right. And now you have the jitters. I got the jitters, And yeah. we're not working out. You no. know, I, I share that sometimes. I have a coffee. Yeah. Two coffees, maybe. Get ready for the gym. Then Did something I hear happens. Coffee? Yes. Yeah, you oh, heard co- that coffee. Yeah. Was that coffee? Was that was that a, was that the uh, the north the north accent? I, I, I caught a little bit of. <laughs> yeah, I find that I find that hilarious that Trevor is talking about an accent. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. the hick, the red. And then something interrupts the, the workout, and I'm in a oh, chair. Something. And I'm, I got a pre workout. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Right. From somebody who claims to love you more than everybody right. else. I just had a pre workout. Yeah. I can't. I don't have seven minutes to talk about wall treatments, darling. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this, okay? Because we've all been there. If this happens, do you take another scoop of pre-workout, or if your workout, you don't make your workout initially, do you take another scoop later in the day? Absolutely. Right? Okay. Well, depending on what, uh, depending on how long it takes for the phone call. I mean, the phone call yeah. goes four hours. I, I need, I need yeah. another pre-workout. Well, to be honest with me, the rage from the phone call fuels me <laughs> fuels for my workout, workout, so I don't have to actually, <laughs> I don't have to actually take another pre-workout. If you knew you got the phone call before the pre-workout, you wouldn't need See, the pre-workout. Need the pre-workout, but I'm stupid because every day I think <laughs> right. it's not going to happen. Yeah, the, yeah, you figure the phone call. That's what makes it insanity. That's right. That's right. She's not going to call. The phone call will not happen will today, call. so I need the pre-workout. Yeah. Damn it. You would think is. 10 years in, they would figure out <laughs> the big <laughs> likes to work out like alone. I'm just trying to get you motivated. No, it's not even that. I'm just trying to get you motivated to go to the gym. I just had the pre-workout. It's always, it's always how was your morning? Mine's fine. Well, let me tell you about mine. <laughs> oh, geez. Here we go. And then he was like this, and you understand the way that I feel? And I'm like, uh... <laughs> Um, you just uh, gotta say yes. Just say yes. Oh, just it doesn't matter. What do you mean, just, just yes? I mean, that's very like you're very short with me today. Is there a reason I, I want to go work out? Very selfish of you. <laughs> I already took the pre workout. I mean, he eat a human right. face it's off. Nothing if personal. I don't do this now, it's a timing issue. Now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's wow. a couple. Here's a couple things about pre workout. So, like, I got kicked out of the conversation because you know I'm in hurricane weather over here. Oh Jesus! How are you, man? Yeah, we need a. How is it down there? I'm good. I'm alive. Uh, 
Yeah, it wet, but it's not too bad. So any flooding? Everybody but Fox News, I'd like to say congratulations on creating mass hysteria around me. <laughs> yes. Fox News true. Every other news organization causing mass chaos. Um, I have all my guns loaded. My door is not locked. I'm welcoming anybody to come in at any time. I'm shirtless. I'm over. We're talking pre-workout. The thing about pre-workout is, first off, timing is of the essence, so you never want to take it until you're about to walk into a gym. That's always been my theory. Secondly, pre-workouts today, they range from like 300 to 400 milligrams of caffeine. Too much, it's a gimmick. Get yourself non-stim. Get yourself a non-stim because caffeine over 125 milligrams per serving uh, doesn't have you vasodilate. So the whole point of the pre-workout the lost so you get a non-stim you get a cup of coffee third i remember idol vividly stopping at a 7-eleven for some pre-workout on the way to rob's one day but then something really weird in the bathroom happened and uh i just you know that popped in yep. my mind yep. pre-workout yep. yeah all right i'm back all right yep. um uh, all right now i have a question no that's not, that was we're not gonna talk about that yeah don't talk about that i have a question ec3 like is there why is it that when uh, the there's a big hurricane or something that the news has got to send a guy out there all by himself getting his ass kicked, okay. telling everybody they need to leave, and he's standing out there getting beat up by the wind and the rain and the trees? And I I guess it's the fascination of being a martyr, perhaps. <laughs> you know, you, no. I, I just feel sorry for that poor. Like everybody's at the Marriott all dry and watching the news. And he's like, I got to go out in the middle of this to prove to everybody this is happening. You know, and it's. May I interrupt? You always do. Okay. Here's. I saw that guy. I was watching him live. And look, we all kind of are are smart to, you know, what's a work. And by work, I mean, like, what is fake on TV? I am going to say he went out on a limb and said, you know what? I need to go, like, get the most views on YouTube and everything else. I will get more popular as a, uh, a weatherman, uh, whatever, you know, in his field. And he has completely used this to get himself over. And I'm going to say even the parts when he was, like, hanging on to the sign, and he's like, oh, I'm slipping. No. No. <laughs> we're exaggerating. My opinion, I'll shut up now. No, you know it's what? all the work. It's uh, all the work. Who was it that got in big trouble for that? Was that uh... – was that Cooper Anderson who like kneeled down in the water to just make it look like he was flooding? Uh, and his, uh, his, uh, argument, uh, his argument, his argument was, huh? his argument Even was, it weather. was actually that deep <laughs> over the there, weather. but they wouldn't let him stand there for his safety. <laughs> so to give you perspective, he got on his knees to show you how deep uh, the water. Like I, I agree. The one thing is, like typically, it was very stereotypical. You'd never catch a brother doing that. We just don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we don't. We we go the other way. There's a movie called Nope. If you ever want to know how black people handle scary situations, we say nope and walk the other way. <laughs> Having said that, it's a different world now. I have noticed a few brothers and sisters. Again, they usually tend to be a little closer to the cameraman with just a slight drizzle or the day after. So we're winning on that one. You other guys, though, these guys, you know, some of it's just sitting in the office all day talking about weather. I think it's like we got to get out there. You know, I, he, his dream was to chase tornadoes, you know, 
and and be be outside of volcanoes and be there to witness his mother nature's worst and and tell us about it. Now all they get to do is like, well, you can't do any of that. But what you can do is you can stand in a foot of water with a wind machine on and make it sound like you're standing in the middle of a hurricane. How about that? What do you say? What do you I love say? it when I love it when they say they've told everybody to leave the area. But I'm going to stay here right. and give you guys the view. And I'll be here for the next five days. Because it's telling not, everybody right. yeah. to leave the area. Here's the cold part. The satellite does the job. <laughs> satellite does the job. Thank you. You know? Thank you. So you know what? Set up an iPhone and talk about it in the background. You know what I mean? Hey, you know I'd be doing do? it all from green screen. You know, I, I, one of the biggest imprints of my life when I was a small child, uh, I, the very few times I got to go to my grandparents' house, my grandmother would watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom on reruns. And was it Marlon Perkins, I think his name was? He was always in studio. And joining us live is poor Jack, who will attempt to take down the lion with his bare hands. <laughs> and then he would, and let's go to Jack. I would be that guy. I am fine being in studio, throwing it to Aaron, who's live outside the volcano. Uh, Aaron, how's it going? Uh, it's hot. <laughs> My hair is melting. Back to you. So there, it has its place. Hell no. 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 Just no. And you'd never go on ghost adventures, right? Like you. No, well, no why would I go on a so ghost want to do that. No, I want to do that. See, I, I, I do not. I, There's no. I want to do that. I, but I want to do it with no, friends. I do not want to sit I, in the house in the dark with a bunch of dudes going. Did you hear that? I feel like I, it's I, just a waste I of time. Now, if you throw a campfire in there and some fishing poles or something, or you know, Here's, some hunting outside the house. Yeah, no, that's outside the house. Like ghosts are afraid of the woods. Like this makes no sense. Why would you be in a? house when you can float and go anywhere uh, well that's a if we're, all now, I, be in I, new, if we're all gonna be in new orleans together then maybe maybe november 10th we do a haunted house visit and i don't know maybe we capture content the three and a half like, wise men in new orleans at the haunted mansion i have a great haunted mansion it's called my house that's a good idea called, it's though called my house yes there you go yes i have that's a, a i have a three-story home that's haunted <laughs> by a really mean woman. So oh, I would, would love you three of us three of us to try to stay up past 10 o'clock on a school night and record it. And slowly but surely when each one is picked off one at a time, this is a great idea. You know, we get Billy Corgan to wear the outfit from his latest video and just kind of oh. roll around the house going, ooh, like I'm with it. Let's do it. I'm all about content well hey do you guys want to hear something that's actually this is a true story and it involves somebody in our locker room who i will i will not talk about them then i don't and want to you got to throw you got to bury them so we do here <laughs> this place is called I the three shovel we don't try to but on accident yeah. sometimes it happens we <laughs> bury so good we don't even need <laughs> shovels bro it was pope oh so, okay all right so in louisville which is the current city i'm in um, there's Waverly Sanitarium, which was a tuberculosis hospital. It is haunted. I mean, it, it's... It was full of lungers. Lungers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, in WWE, they said, hey, let's do a, a ghost adventure thing. And I think it was, um, like, CM Punk and the Pope. So, there's this one hallway that's known. I mean, if you throw a ball down the hallway, it comes back. There's no, like pitch in the floor or anything like that and like there's 
there's just a lot of stuff that goes on. So Pope is, is he's running around with his little EVP, whatever it's called. He gets to the hallway and everyone's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And they said for the first time, there was nothing. Like So the, the ghosts, ghosts were racist? Oh, um, oh, No, it was actually the, the ghost of... Uh, Racist-ass like ghost. No, it was a children's uh, It was like... Um, and, and Kids can be racist. Just, yeah, they, they did not want uh, anything to do with Pope, apparently. Like, or they were afraid of him before he had the power... Oh God! I don't uh, know what it was. The ghost jumped power. out and said, yeah, "Oh, it's a black guy. I gotta hide. Power hide the, yes. hide the chains." Yeah. Yep. Wow. So, Racist ass ghost. Into a house, I'm taking Pope with me. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, uh, here's what we do, EC3, because that's a great idea. Uh, the festivities kick off the 12th, right? So I think if everybody came in like the the night of the 10th and then the 11th, I could set up an actual. A haunted house in New Orleans. The downside is good chance we could end up haunting it, seeing how it's now the murder capital of the world. But outside of that, but here's the deal: I have enough guns for everybody, so we could probably make this happen. There is an actual, there's a famous uh, mansion that supposedly is haunted with like over thirty different ghosts or whatever. So even if the racist ones want to take the night off because I'm there. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, <laughs> then uh, there should be Jesus at least one Christ. or two uh, hanging around that is more accepting. Well, that's why they're stuck in purgatory, right? Yeah, yeah. Raises. Obviously, so they have character just, flaws, that's correct? Right. Well, they're a ghost. Yeah, right everyone now. always wants to say it's a tormented soul. Wouldn't that yeah. be the first one to go to heaven? Right, no, I exactly. think it's the ones that are like... Something went wrong. They had a, they had that's chem- why yeah. they're stuck in that this, house. Yeah, yeah, they're stuck in that. Because <laughs> if you're a ghost, you know what I'm right. saying? Especially they're always lonely guys yep. who never got a date. Wouldn't you yep. then go haunt a hot chick's house? But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. go haunt the local fraternity. That's where they You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes zero sense. They walk the halls of this yeah. home that's a fixer-upper at best. They're, they're stuck in their purgatory <laughs> it's a, state. It's a DIY. Yeah. A DIY it's never, episode. like, a nice home. <laughs> and it's never like, hey, yeah. the ghost is always changing the TV channel. You know what I'm saying? It's always like well, they open and close cabinets. Not a real skill set. Right. I got to be honest with you. They turn lights on. Bro, that's not... You're not winning. I'm not scared of a guy who has to use all his powers to turn a switch. Can you please forgive me so I can stop opening and closing these cabinets yes. for eternity? I would like to check it out to at least experience what the locals say and see just firsthand what could possibly be there. I That's would like just... to barbecue and go to the gym. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, because... You... <laughs> You going to the gym is you walking by the mirror, flexing, going, uh-huh, and then walking out. Okay, so. Hey, I didn't get like this by accident, man. I, you know, I feel like you do did. You, do you take pre-workout for that, though? Hell yeah, dude. To, right? right? 100%. He will, get, he will get every state-of-the-art piece of equipment yeah. so he can walk in, yep. do a couple curls, and walk out. Yeah. That's, that's, I have never worked out with, with Aaron. We've been in the gym at the same time, but we have literally never done a set of anything together. Ever. There's Just, no need. And then, <laughs> and then occasionally There's he'll, no he'll walk by. His, I'll be out front. And I'll be like, cool. That's that's our interaction. There's an unspeaking, hey, unspoken respect there. Absolutely. So, um, But hey, speaking of pre-workouts, do you know it's a great pre-workout? And because it's a vasodilator and you're going to laugh and I'm going to get bombarded by this. But Cialis will actually give you a better oh, pump. Oh, for f- sakes. <laughs> 
No, I mean, this is science. I feel like there's a commercial after this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I also feel like there's a cancellation coming after this as well. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, it's like, I, like chemically, it's... It EC3, please it. step in. Did we is lose EC3? Do we lose him? Goddamn hurricane. Got him oh, again. Oh, he left the It door must be open. real then. It's then real. Then it must be real. If we they lost EC3, they got him. he's one of the most dedicated men, I, yeah. I believe, to... Yeah, damn. All right. Oh, it's the ghost. We'll be back with much more after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, well. While we wait for EC three, I'm excited about uh, our our special guest today, and uh, he'll be embarrassed, but I've been saying he's my favorite wrestler now for about three months. And plus, anyone who says Boston strong, there you go. Uh, I'm, you know, they they got my respect. But uh, Mike Bennett is with us today, and uh, man, just hey, man. just and he's been such a welcome addition to the NWA. But uh, if you've not followed his work. Uh, he's constantly evolving. Like I got like when we first, I think the first time we met, uh, I met him. I think we met Aaron and I. I think we met him together at Impact. Did you know him before that, Aaron? Aaron, we might have lost Aaron. Did we as lose well. another one to the storm. Wow, yeah. the hurt. No, it must be real. Okay, Mike, are you well, with us? I'm here, man. Hey, what's All going right. on, man? I don't know if you heard my intro, but you know I'm excited. My favorite wrestlers on today, so. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> thank you. No, I I was quite flattered by your intro. I'm I'm genuinely humbled. Thank you. Uh, not when you're in the ring, bro, because that strong <laughs> style is no <laughs> joke. He hit way me to like, wrestle, though. Hey, yeah, yeah. He's, he, hey, I uh, he, he now I met uh, I met Mike. The first time I met Mike is I met him at Impact, and um, there I was like, this dude, this dude, something. He's got, and I know your your ROH career is second to none. But uh, I just, how are you able to evolve? Because, you know, for a while you were kind of like, you always had a certain work style, but I've just, I've noticed you've just become a wrestler. I mean, and, you know, Chris Jericho does a sports entertainer and the wrestler thing, but you do, you can do sports entertain with anybody. But when it, when the bell rings, man, I'm trying to think of anybody who's been more crisp and physical, like where, when you look at, cause obviously you film study and you're always trying to improve yourself. Where do you get like a lot of inspiration for your style? Uh, honestly, it's, it's a collection of everywhere right now. It's, it's a collection of really old school ring of honor of like Nigel McGuinness and, and, uh, Brian Danielson. And then it's, it's old school. Noah, it's 2000. Noah. it's 2001. It's Masawa, yeah. Kobashi, uh, it's Kenta, uh, it's Marifuji. It's all these guys that I'm just watching consistently over and over again. I'm trying more so to not take their style as i'm trying to just adapt it to what i already know you're like you said it, yeah. I, yeah yeah and and it's it's this idea that i think wrestling at its finest is a mix of every single style all at once yeah. so you get a guy that does strong style you throw him in there with a luchador and you got me glued to a television because i'm like what are these two gonna do and if you can adapt your style to anybody by just kind of like taking a little bit here, taking a little bit there, see what works, what doesn't work, and then kind of like 
throwing it all at the wall at once and seeing what sticks. And that's kind of, that's what I've done. It's, it's not one person individually as it's more. So I look for certain guys that have a, a feel behind them where it's like, I felt for so long in my career, I was considered that sports entertainment guy. So when I got released by WWE, I was like, I want to be the total opposite. And the only reason I really wanted to do that was because I wanted to challenge myself. I was in a place in my life where I was like, go against everything that makes you comfortable and pure wrestling, strong style wrestling, all this other style wrestling that I never really focused on made me uncomfortable. And so I was like, I want to get really good at this. You know what? And, and that was my, when I left or when I was asked to leave, um, the <laughs> WWE, uh, that was exactly what I did because I had become the sports entertainer and I was like, I need to get back to brass tacks. I need to get back what I used to watch as a kid and be like, I want to be like that, you know, and I always liked the aggressiveness of an Ole Anderson and an Arn Anderson and a Butch Reed guys who's, who's backed up everything they did. Uh, early Vader, uh, Andre, when he gave a, you know, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. <laughs> and uh, because to me, those were the guys who made if you make the simplest thing look real and aggressive, the rest of your night is easy, you know. And that's the one thing. Uh, your holds have just been so crisp. And, but here's the deal. You're part of one of the best tag teams out there. But yet okay. when you go to singles, there's not a drop-off. And I and I know that sounds weird, but a lot of guys who who are – they get that phrase, that tag team specialist. When they go in to do singles right. matches, you see the drop off. Uh, and it's just, I think, right. I don't know if it's just because you just get so used to having that extra pair of, because it's not just having someone to wrestle when you're not in. Creatively, uh, you know, you have another pair of eyes, you have another mind with you when you're out there. So it's, it's like, it's, it's a total different mentality. It is, uh, yeah. On the, and Mike, it's and, and, total, and you get stuck in that. And to me, Mike does. I can't tell the difference, to be honest with you. And it's not like you got like in your tag team. You guys are innovative as it gets, and you've wrestled everybody. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think one of the things that I feel I've been fortunate in is that I started as a singles wrestler. My career was a singles wrestler, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, the tag team thing kind of happened by chance. I don't want to say it was an accident, but with me and Matt Taven, we were always friends. Uh, off screen. We were always, we were driving buddies. I helped train them. Like we're best friends in real life. That's as real as it gets. So we were always together, but what ended up happening was I was an established singles guy in ring of honor, but they were trying to, trying to heat up Adam Cole at the time. So they really wanted some, like some heaters around them. So they had me at the time and they had Matt Hardy at the time who was at ring of honor, but Matt was jumping over to impact. So they kind of wanted someone else to do a tag team around Cole so Matt Taven was just floating around. And I remember Delirious came up to us. He's like, do you want to do this? And we looked at each other like, wait, wait, wrestle with my best friend. This, Yes, of course I do. This is amazing. And I think because we were best friends, I think that's what made adapting to tag team wrestling so much easier than if it was just like, all right, you're going to go and you're going to go now figure out what your, your yeah. likes are, what your dislikes are now try to make it work somehow. Me and Taven already had the chemistry. So I think in the sense that like we were both established singles guys, then we were friends and then we came together as a team. It was like, it was kind of a different dynamic that you don't see that often. Yeah, no. And um, yeah, cause I like uh, you guys together and then, it's the same mentality. I just noticed uh, the last, especially the last couple NWA tapings, um, just the level of aggressiveness. And I think sometimes you can, when you see a guy's level of aggressiveness, uh, like I would compare it to like a Dean Malenko, like you just no nonsense. 
How much of that has it been for your personal life? Because you're, you've been very, and I, one of the things I admire about you is there's no bullshit with you. You, you tell it like it is, and you, you, you made yourself uh, the measuring stick. And when I hear you talk about uh, your sobriety and things like that, how much, because a lot of times guys who had to have that little extra translated into being great performers, and then when they took, when they got off, of whatever it is that they were on, whether it be drugs, women, alcohol, food, whatever, they weren't able to perform anymore. Right. Was that ever, I mean, it's not a concern because obviously family first, but just if you could just talk a little, because your story, bro, I just, every morning I get up, I check for a, a Bennett post, you know, <laughs> like I really, like I really do. Like I really do. Um, no, I appreciate that, man. Seriously. And my addiction was food and women. So even though our our paths were different, our footprints are different. It's the same path. So yeah, I, I so if you could just talk a little bit about that, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, no, and I think like I, like you said, it's the same path. And I'm a firm believer, and I, I hope I don't get a lot of heat for this, but I think everyone in their own sense is an addict. Some of us just have a better way of. Controlling. Oh, that's a great analogy, and there's no heat on this show because. None of us are. <laughs> 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 I know the feeling. <laughs> um, but no, it's I think we all suffer from some sort of an addiction. It's just other people have have a better control of it. Other people have life instances that make that addiction spiral out of control. Some it's everyone's different, but I, I'm a firm believer that we all have our vices. And so I, I believe that it's the same path, whether it was pills for me, food for you, whatever it is, it's that same journey that we're all just trying to figure out how to mask what scares us the most, how to mask what uh, uh, is our biggest fear. It's all the same thing. We're all, we're all um, doing the same thing. But um, for me, the painkiller thing started more as like, I was in legit pain. I dislocated my kneecap. Um, and then in the same kind of few months, I broke a rib. I was heading over to Japan where I really needed the money. So I couldn't take the time off. So I just went to the doctor. I did what was needed to do. And then that just like you hear every single story that just kind of spiraled out of control. One thing led to another, one thing led to another. And for me, the hardest part was the off time because at that point, I wasn't working that much. We were doing a lot of the impact tapings, which, you know, uh, uh, Tyrus, you remember, was very much like five days on and yes. then two months off or a month off or yeah. some weird and schedule. The pay, and the paycheck varied. Yes, I remember. And the paycheck showed up whenever you wanted it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, whenever they, they wanted, wanted it. it. Yes. <laughs> and they wanted it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the downtime is what killed me because then I start getting into my own head. And as a performer and as an artist and as a wrestler, you start everything gets in your head when you're not working, when you're not performing. Yep. And so in order to mask that insecurity, in order to mask that anxiety, I just took painkillers because then I could just sit there on my couch, play video games and not have to worry about, Oh, do I have to get up and get in shape for this? Or do I have to be ready for this? Or what's so-and-so doing? Or what's that person doing? I'm just, I'm just in my happy place. So it was just this constant uh, sitting around doing nothing that really led to my, the strongest point of my addiction and when I finally got sober, when I finally got clean, I was able to discover, like you said, this strong style of wrestling, Noah, um, this, this in your face, pure wrestling, smash mouth wrestling. And I was able to incorporate it into my life. And what I really discovered was that with strong style, my theory is we have this idea in wrestling that strong styles, Oh, just hit the guy and then no sell it. And I was like, when I really broke it down, I was like, that's not what strong style. No, it's is. not. Yeah, close. No, it's, it's about you're going to hit me and I'm going to register it. 
but I'm going to fight through that pain and then I'm going to hit you harder. Yes. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to fight through it and I'm going to register it, but then I'm going to hit you harder. And it's not about no selling pain. It's about fighting through the pain. And yes. once I connected that to my life, I was like, oh, I can use strong style to help with my sobriety and vice versa. And I just kind of put the whole two Boston strong style literally became how I live my life. It's about not quitting. It's about fighting through the pain. It's about embracing discomfort. It's about understanding that in order to have good times, you got to deal with the bad times. It was everything that I was dealing with in my life. I was able to incorporate in wrestling and it just, it worked out perfect for me. And like, truthfully, like Noah and, and, and old school ring of honor and watching old Nigel McGinnis matches. Like those were the things I did in substitute of my addiction. So in a, in a sense, it really did save my life too. You know, that's incredible. You know, when I think about it, um, Trevor and Ara, you guys could probably add more to this. Mike, how tough was it? Because sometimes when you get clean, right, the people around you aren't ready for you to be clean. You know, because uh, the enabler sometimes is just as dangerous as the addict, especially when the enabler is and the addict are connected because the addict relies on the enabler. So the enabler gets certain levels of attention met. And now the addict is not doing that anymore. Was there and you don't have to get into names and stuff, but did you find that where you had to cut people out of your life for your own sanity or were you surrounded by a bunch of people who were like, thank God? You know, so it was kind of like uh 50 50 when I the first person I told was my wife, um, smart and yes, and she it was like one of those moments where because I had kept it a secret, she didn't know that I was a and so it was just like you're gonna have to come out with this secret and tell her that you, your secret is that you're severely addicted to these painkillers, and which so I is, told wait, wait, which is a, a feat in its own because your wife's in the business and has seen some of that, <laughs> so. You had to really like you had to really go on some detective to hide that from her. Oh, it, Trevor, well, I, I think too it, it it gets confusing. Maybe right if if a doctor is the one that's initially prescribing it to you, right? Like this yeah. is supposed to help you. This is supposed to work, and it does work. And a doctor's giving it to you, but then there's another side where it needs to be controlled, right? I mean, I you yeah. know that yeah. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where as an addict, you actually do trick yourself into believing that, oh, well, a doctor's giving it to me. Right, so how right. bad could it be? Exactly. Or you, you say right. to yourself, oh, I just saw so-and-so, I saw a crackhead on the street homeless. I'm not that. So it's clearly not bad. Right. You know, you're, you're constantly justifying it to yourself and, right. and try or, or to go you got to get to the next match. Get, get yeah, the exactly. next match. I got to get through the next match. Yeah. I, I got to get through the next one. I used to watch 600 pound life and be like, Oh, those fat. <laughs> like I used to watch that. No, <laughs> I used to watch that and be like, that's not me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So right. I don't know what I'm worried about. You know what I'm saying? Pass the pizza. So right. that is <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You, you have to laugh at your tragedy, but uh, yeah. I'm not proud of that, that I would literally be if, if, if 600, my 600 pound life wasn't on that week, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, find it. I need to feel better. <laughs> like I'd, I'd watch it with my shirt off. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you know, like I wanted to surround myself. I wanted to get rid of the funkadactyls and get two six hundred pounds, just because I would feel so skinny. You know what I'm saying? Like I would eat a Snickers bar and look at them both going like, you, you, you I can't. You guys can't have this. <laughs> if you want to get where I'm at, bro, you're gonna have to work hard. It ain't easy being four ten. You guys are six hundred. Like get it together. 
So I, I completely, I completely, we laugh at it now, but like that was a real thing. Like I would watch fatter people object and, like, and judgmentally, like judge them, right. you know? Yeah. You justify yourself. You justify yeah, like, it in that sense. And that's insanity. It, it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, when, when you're in that bubble, I, I, I know just from a little bit of experience, when you're in that bubble and you're taking, you're taking the gimmicks, you, like you said, you justify every single thing, like down to waking up in the morning and what you're going to do that morning when you know you should be, like you said, going to the gym or doing something to progress yourself. And Mike, Mike, a question I have for you, too, is uh, yeah. when you were in the midst of this, because like I, you know, and I'll admit this, I had a food addiction as well. And I, I still do. I still Shut the up. up. You had a pill addiction. <laughs> Excuse, I drove I with you. I never caught you. I never caught you shoving Big Macs behind your in the locker room. Like you didn't That's have a food I was addiction. Really about it. That's because I was really smooth about it. every time we stop at a pilot, I would go and I would get Reese's Pieces and peanut butter M and M's. Because you were high out of your mind on pills. So I mine was did. mine was pancakes and orange juice. Yours still That's is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, but but the point is like. Did you ask yourself, like, or, or tell yourself rather, like, you know what, like, as you were taking, you know, your your pills and like for everyone, like, as you were eating that candy bar or whatever, was it like I'm going to stop this tomorrow? I'm going to stop this tomorrow. I need to stop this, but I'll just do this one last time. Was it like that? Because like, especially with my food addiction, that was that was the biggest problem I had. Where like I will start tomorrow or I'll quit tomorrow. You know? Yeah. And it's the, it, it was a hundred percent that, and it's like, and that's like going back to what, what Tyrus was saying too, is we constantly justify it. So you say to yourself, all right, I'm going to quit tomorrow. I'm going to stop. Or you tell yourself, all right, I might have an addiction or before it gets out of control, I'm going to stop myself. You're always making it less than the actual, what the actual problem is. And so, and then you justify it. So then the next day when you do take it, you have phantom pain and you go to yourself, oh, well, my knee really hurts in order to get to the gym today. I got to take a few. And then what happens is the next day you wake up and you go, oh crap, I didn't quit yesterday. Then you get, you get down on yourself. You beat yourself up. So then you take more because you don't want to deal with the insecurity and the anxiety in your own head. And it's just this constant vicious cycle. And that's why they always say, um, the, the first step is admitting, okay, this is a problem. And you have to just be solid in the fact that regardless of whether it's good on some days or really bad on other days, this is an issue and I have to take care of it. Yes. And now, would you say, Mike, like, again, they say the term addictive personality. Um, right. Would you say that you have an addictive personality or was like, you know, chemically, like what you were taking? Did that more kind of develop to a like physical dependency on it, you know, and more of a biological dependence? Because I admittedly, I have an addictive personality right. I'm like that with food. I'm like that with, I mean, just a number of things in my life that I have to constantly like remind myself to exercise the virtue of temperance. So I, I was just curious as to your personal struggle with it. Yeah. So right out of the gate, um, when I first got clean and sober, I would have told you that I thought it was, oh, I just had this addiction to the painkillers. It was the opioids. It was um, their dependence uh, on the brain and everything like that. And it was chemical. And then as I got further and further into my sobriety and really broke it down, I realized, oh, I have to be careful with everything. I have to watch my step with everything food, uh, uh, television, a certain type of music, certain pre-workout and energy drink, 
any certain thing I have to watch myself because what I'll do is somehow my brain will connect it. And all of a sudden I'm like, I need this. I need this. I need this. And then it just becomes that addictive cycle. So early on in my recovery, I was very much like, Oh, I'm, I'm only addicted to painkillers later on. And right now in my life, it's like this constant balance of like, okay, this is who you are. And certain things may start to get out of control, but now you have the tools in your tool, your toolkit to catch them and not let them get to where they're going to cause you any sort of, of, of bad health. Mike, have you had a CBD gummy bear? I have never had a CBD. So they're wonderful. And I think they're a miracle substance. I've struggled with uh, something called keratoconus my entire okay. life, which is basically uh, when I was 24 years old, I was diagnosed with this eye condition, which is basically right. when your, your corneas, uh, instead of being a 24-year-old man with 24-year-old corneas, they start degrading, right? They, they get you, your eyes, really, your corneas start degrading. You can't see at night and you have to wear these special contact lenses. So for the past like 16 years of my life, you can't wear glasses. If anybody, if anybody out there has this, it's a very real thing and they should, you know, please look into it because it's, it's really, it's a bad eye condition. But I had a doctor in uh, uh, Hollywood, California prescribe me CBD eye drops and I started taking gummy bears and doing things like that and it has 100% uh, changed you know, the way I've looked at pain in my body, it's taken inflammation away and it 100% has helped my eyes. So I don't know. And that is, that is a totally legal, uh, you know, I I believe a miracle substance, uh, you know, for, for anybody that's in a contact sport. Well, let me ask you this because the downside is, 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 is I think, I think I identify a lot with, uh, Mike's the way he discussed addiction because I couldn't even do those bears because I would find a way to be addicted to the bears. Okay. So, right. So I would just, I would take it even when I didn't need it because that's the addictive personality. Right. Right. Now I'm going to throw something at you, A-Rai, because now Mike talked about addictive personality and it was originally for pain. Right. But when the pain's internal in terms of like, no, no, (laughs) seriously, like a broken heart, I feel, I'm just going to say this. (laughs) I feel your WWE firing broke your heart. I feel, uh, yeah. just, let me just speak. Yeah. And you were in pain mentally, and it took us three years to get you back. Well, I also. How much of that, though? Because that's when the addiction is coping. Right. Well, the, and I felt like, and this, I'm not a doctor, but I felt like you used substances to cope with something that was difficult for you to deal with. Well, the, the truth is, too, I, I couldn't see. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, no, I mean I'm not that, talking that about it, that. Yeah, I mean that was aside. But I'm talking about the other stuff. The truth is, I was out in you know in Los Angeles, California, with with a, a really really bad eye disease. Right. Uh, and I went to an eye doctor, and he said we can either cut the front of your eyes off and give you a complete corneal transplant. Whoa. That you're you're at that stage. somebody else's eyes. Yes, somebody else's eyes, and for the rest of your life, you're gonna have to. We're going to suture these uh, corneas onto you, and for the rest of your life, you're going to have to take steroid eye drops to make sure that your body does not reject these corneas. And then he said, or you can try CBD, ah. which is, which is you know, a product of cannabis or whatever, uh, very legal. And I tried it, and in a place in my life where I was really blind, I was praying to God and Jesus Christ that 
you know, this this could help heal me. You know what I mean? And yeah, and then of course, right, we get into the, you know, how much is too much, right? right yeah. You know, and 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 of course, but I was in a situation where I really was like at the end of my my physical ability to see. Right. So I, I was just kind of praying to God that it worked. But yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think one gummy bear certainly can't turn into 15. No. Right? You and know, that's the it, problem yeah. when you have an addictive personality. Correct. Correct. Is yeah. that even though yeah. something is supposed to be good for you. Right. Like, for example. I figured the guy gives me, uh, you know, he the, we started with, and the guy's name is Dr. Uh, Boxer Walkler, and I believe he's a genius, and I thank God every day that he didn't cut my eyeballs off or yeah. out. Did you at least, what, did you at least get to pick the color? Huh? <laughs> I would have gone with brown, to be honest. I was, I was tired of blue. I would have one different. Yeah. One different, <laughs> so, you know? Yeah, but he said that, and then, you know, and, and, and Hollywood is, is a very, you know, it's a progressive place when it comes yep. to uh, cannabis. Uh, and now the world is, is learning a lot more about it, and I, and I think that's beautiful. But, you know, that was my issue. I said, well, I'm really blind. I might as well take 25 gummy bears. Right. You know what I mean? And then it's like, well, no, That's Kev, what I would have done. Correct. And then it's like, well, Kev, you know, uh, why don't you take three a day and take it over a course of, a, you know, a, uh, some years, and, and it should start regenerating. Pray to God. Pray to Jesus, which I do every day. It will regenerate your vision. Uh, but like we talked about addictive personalities, I figured I wanted it faster and three gummy bears, you know, easily yeah, turned into like 10, 10 or whatever yeah. it is. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. And but, it's a cute well, gummy bear. So you think it's not, you know, <laughs> right. you don't think it's going to do saying? much. Like, right? yeah. <laughs> Hold it right there. We'll be back in a bit. I've got a question for yeah. Mike. Um, like you, you know, you have that addictive personality and obviously in through sobriety, like you're constantly, that's something you're going to live with and deal with the rest of your life correct like that's definitely when you start feeling like you're leaning back towards the direction of your addiction like what do you do to course correct or to to change that mindset for people that are out there listening so uh i I have a, a a handful of things but for me like i was saying earlier when i was sitting around and i was doing nothing I need to be busy, uh, whether it's working on the house or working out or, or doing something. Um, I need to constantly be busy. And, and truthfully, like I've said this before, WWE didn't help me in my addiction. Like they didn't send me to rehab. Um, they were very open. They were nice to talk to. Uh, Goldust was backstage. He helped me with a ton of stuff. Road Dog helped me with a ton of stuff, but they never actually paid for my, like, so I, I just did my rehab on my own. But the one thing that I was thankful for was that I was constantly on the road and I was constantly busy. Right. So I was on the road like four days a week. And I was surrounded by guys like Rowan and I was surrounded by guys like Connor who legit, even though like alcohol wasn't my vice, we'd go out to eat and I'd have Connor look at me or Rowan look at me and be like, Hey, are you cool with this? So I had guys that were genuinely concerned and like, Hey, we'll work through you with this. Um, and so, uh, for me, it was always the, the ability to stay busy. And now, truthfully, not to get into like hippie guru uh, BS stuff. Why not? Hey, I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm big. I'm big into meditation now. I I I used to think it didn't work. Bro, meditation's but, uh, big though, man. It's, it's real. My life. Like, yeah. You just made a rise day. I'm sitting yeah. in studio. Yeah. But it is. But it is. But it is real. But it is. You know what I mean? I can second that. And I and I and I and and God is too. You know what I mean? And God showed up. God showed up in a major way in my life. And every day I wake up and I give in all my energy. Just so you know, when you knock on my door, I'm not answering. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I think to play into that, I think that's why I think that's why when people become uh, when they get sober, a lot of people turn to religion because I believe it's about finally believing in something that's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And whether you turn to religion for that or you turn to something else, I've turned to just trying to help people. I think I went through my addiction to say, hey, I'm the a small town kid that was lucky enough to 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 um, achieve his dream and to continue to do it. But there's all these pitfalls along the way. And I think my goal now is to show people like anyone can screw up. Anyone can have this pro- this problem. The, the 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 trick is to just keep pushing through and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I think once you find something bigger than yourself, whether it's your family or your your purpose you just need to be fulfilled. And I think at the end of the day, we become addicts because we're not truly fulfilled. And then when we get sobri- when we get sober and we find sobriety, we find our fulfillment, whether it's religion or career or family or whatever it is. That's now, a great point. When, when you guys were, you know, we're talking about meditation and things like that. And then I kind of have my own theory, right? And if you look at the United States of America, how we are the most addicted, Addicted country yes. in the world, right? Yes. Are we going to agree on that? I mean, that's just. Yes. That's kind well, of I haven't statistic. lived anywhere else long enough uh, to make an assumption, but for the point of this <laughs> argument, I'll say yes. Yeah. Well, well, now with that, like, it, it's funny how, you know, both Ari and Mike have, you know, they mentioned meditation. Now, when meditation, that kind of like paints an image to, it's a different image to everyone. Some people, they think of like these, you know, like the, the yogi hippies, some people. Right think like you know the, the bruce lee kind of but what it is it's quieting the mind yeah. enough to kind of get in touch with yourself and i think in the pretty much the structure of our society in this country we have become so just fast-paced and, it, and it's just go 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 and like we never take that time whether it's five to ten minutes just to kind of get in touch with ourselves and, and it's just funny because how you know both of you who have overcome addiction uh, are incorporating that, you know, and call it meditation, call it self-reflection, call it quieting the mind. It's just something that I think is very, very healthy for everybody, especially. I, yeah, in I think addiction or not, it's it's a it's a mental health practice that 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 is very real uh, and, and, yeah, and very applicable to uh, anybody or or anything str- struggling with anything if they're in a you know a a marriage or, you know, having trouble with their class, you know what I mean? It, meditation is, is absolutely real. And, and you're right. We, we don't talk about it enough in this country. I, I think it's like in Eastern medicine, right? It's big, right? And, but West, yeah, we don't talk about it that um, much here, but it, but it is very real and, and it does work. Yes. So, and then with you, like, so I'm a, uh, a practicing Roman Catholic. Okay. And in the Roman Catholic tradition, there is a practice called the centering prayer, right. which was developed um, or it was just rediscovered rather. Uh, in a Trappist Abbey called uh, St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts by Father Thomas Keating, who recently died. And it's pretty much a um, kind of like a how-to in meditation. They just essentially in... the same thing that you find in Eastern religions, where it's quieting the mind and everything right. in the Roman Catholic tradition or in the Christian tradition. Yeah. Uh, and you don't really find that a lot. And I just thought it was very pertinent. So anybody out there that's kind of questioning this. Well, that's what um, prayer open is. Open mind, We're... open heart by yeah. Father Thomas Keating. Yep. Yes. Okay, so yeah, let me ask you this. Does this go. count? Does this count as med- meditation? One of the things that I do is I go in the mirror and I will call myself out. And uh, yeah. I will I will strip down, go in the mirror and be like, "You fat mother 
Do you need to eat that Snickers? Are you going to, are you going to out today? No, I will literally call myself out. I will have a conversation with the mirror, like another person and mm-hmm. literally be like, yeah, I'm not negotiating with you today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go work out. We're going to have our one meal. We're going to get our work done. And when we get in our hotel room, there are no snacks. Don't bring it up. And like, literally it's, I don't want to say I'm bullying myself cause that's insanity, but I, I always go find the mirror. Yeah. Because I, unfortunately, I'm wired the way I grew up. I don't believe in extra extra things. I'm selfish in the fact that when I do well, I want to thank me, and when I do bad, I want to blame me. So I don't ever give thanks to some entity or, or whatever. I have respect for other people's beliefs. I either say all thank goes to me, so therefore all blame goes to me, so therefore I don't have to worry about ever saying anything I up on was. It was the devil, or it was karma, or it was this. No, it was George Murdoch who did that. Shit. So that's how I live my. So I don't know if that's a meditation. I think well, it's no, a, I, a certain accountability for sure. Yeah, yeah I, but I think I think I think all good religions are there to get you to face yourself. You know what I mean? Okay. I think so. So yeah, yeah I, I think they're they're one and the same. I do. You know it. It it all comes to. You I'm know, not always mean to myself. Like some days I'll be like, you know, lately, you yeah. know, when you're down, you know, 55 pounds and right. looking shredded, I'll be like, damn, bro. Like, hey, all right, yeah. you're doing it. Don't up today yeah okay okay <laughs> I, I think but there's that's... nothing wrong with being honest with yourself yeah, yeah. elevation through honesty and that's in life i think that's yeah, just I... holding yourself accountable and that's and i think it's for me i do both i hold myself accountable in the good times and in the bad times but for me meditation is is kind of what aaron was saying it's not i'm not putting my faith in any kind of higher power what i learned meditation was described to me perfectly and it was uh, when you're in a situation and you're reactive to a search uh, situation there's always going to be a stimulus and then there's going to be a response to that stimulus but there's always a moment in between the stimulus and the response and what meditation has done for me has been given me the ability to stretch out that moment in between the stimulus and response to go is this really how I want to react or how do I want to go about this situation? So something will happen. Someone cuts me off in traffic. Do I want to go tailgate them or do I want to take a step back and then deal with this at another time? And that's like literally quieting your mind. I believe gives you more power in that moment to be like, how do I want to react to that situation? Which as an addict, is incredibly helpful because you have a stimulus and instead of being like, I don't want to deal with whatever emotion is going to follow. I'm just going to take these pills and be good. It now gives you that moment of peace to be like, all right, how do I want to approach this and go about it? And just quieting the mind for 20 minutes every morning has helped me with that, that time between the stimulus and, and the reaction that you have. And and it's kind of like driving a car, right? Like where in life, right? Our conscious mind, we are either fixated on what am I doing now? So we're either in drive, and sometimes overdrive, we can either be dealing with past demons, which can be a root of addiction. So we're in reverse and meditation is just kind of the neutral. It's kind of checking in with yourself. And what Tyra said, I think that's an amazing practice to like, look at yourself and hold yourself accountable. But again, my perspective, that's not meditation. That's holding yourself accountable. Meditation would be after you do that, you're like, okay, why do I want the candy bar? Like, okay, what's causing me to want the candy bar in the first place? Because ultimately the goal would be to not even have the candy bar be a factor to when you're having this conversation with yourself in the mirror, doesn't even come into play. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, there's a fine line. I don't want to turn into like Buffalo Bill where I'm talking about I me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going <laughs> I'm not going that route. You know what I'm saying? You know, so but uh yeah, because I I would you know what? And I think now that I think you know I'm talking about it, you know, I meditate before a wrestling match. I never right. really you know, one of the things I do and, and and Aaron and Trevor, when you guys came to my uh stand up show, you found me sitting quietly by myself downstairs. Like I just get away from everybody and just kind of clear my mind. And it's yeah. like a reset. And then once I go, then I'm, I, I go through all the butterflies and the, I go through in my mind, the worst thing that could happen. And right. what am I going to do about it? And you know, the guy blows the spot. Can I cover it? Like, you know, or whatever, I get a cramp in the middle of the ring or whatever the hell I, I go through different scenarios. Then I realize no matter what there is, that there is a way to get out of it. And then I just go, I don't think at all. I just try to get quiet, which is it's difficult in wrestling because you have guys around you who literally pantomime every thing they're going to do. So I have to, like, get away from everybody because if I watch them there, I will get agitated. You know what I'm saying? Like their nervous energy becomes my nervous energy. So uh, I tend to get away from them. But I do I do do that a lot. And again, like I think what Mike eloquently put together was is that it's not necessarily anyone else. It's just about it's a reset. And, yeah. uh, you know, because I'll even do a few yeah. breaths here and there, but like maybe on um, the daily, on the daily, just need to take it. Maybe I need to educate myself and look into it because I always thought it was something like Buddha did. You know what I'm saying? Which I wouldn't mind no, meditating because he I was a fat. F- so I would look skinny yeah. meditating next to him. So I probably wouldn't have been There's opposed an app to called it. Headspace. Check it out. Yeah. Seriously, there's an app called Headspace. It, it, it would be perfect for you. And it's that, that's a, a cheap plug. I'm not a paid spokesperson, but honestly, dude, on a plane or something like that. have you heard of that mike i sleep on planes yeah uh, i'm not and and i wouldn't say like i'm not big into trying to tell people how to live their lives i try to tell people what works for me but i i like that in itself that in itself is is brilliant well that's i just that's i have a life and everyone's no arrogance there and that's the biggest problem is is somebody finds their key to their riddle and they think everyone needs to have the same key so yeah. and I have a lot of respect for you for that saying way. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yep. but man, it, not nothing in life works that way because we're all brought up differently. We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different cities and states and countries. And it's like how I can expect I can sit here and talk to you guys and think that we have we yes, we all come together through wrestling, but at the end of the day, we all have been brought up drastically different. So all I tell people is this has worked for me and these are the steps that I've done to implement it and uh, I just meditating has just, it has changed my life. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't genuinely think it could help people because Tyrus, I was the same way. I thought it was for hippies and, and Buddha people or monks. And I was like, how is this going to help me? And when I started to actively just practice it and try it and just give it a shot and be extremely uncomfortable, I went, Holy cow. Like this is, this is genuinely helping me. This is actually giving me that peace that I was always like, how come I don't have this peace? And I found out how to get it. But I think Tyrus is right though. Meditation is kind of practiced in different ways our entire life. You know what I mean? And and like I was met, I didn't know, but when I was in high school uh, playing football, nervous as hell uh, as a, as a child, you know, Taking 30 minutes to rehearse by myself, that's meditation. You know what I mean? And I, and I think it, 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 it does work. And I think it, it doesn't just need to work for sports or sports-specific things. It, it's, it's a practice that can be transferred. 
and used in life. You know, and I, and I think as, yeah. as 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 we grow up and we get older, uh, you know, it's it's a it, it is very valuable, and it, and it comes to the surface as something that's a very valuable tool. I agree with you. And, and you know what's cool, Mike, is that you know, and I am going to tie this in because I, you, Tyrus, and myself, we are pretty much. Uh, a couple of the only people in the world to have a shared experience in professional wrestling, which I'll get on later, but it was how we dealt with it. And I'm, of course I'm talking about when we were shoot ejected from ringside. Um, like, and that, that, but no, seriously, now that, yes, that's funny, but that's something where like, well, now you gotta tell the story. Like you can't just say that. Yeah. No, I will, but not tell the story. story. Right, so here's what happened. Tyrus was wrestling Kratos. I was on the outside and then the referee legitimately like this wasn't fake. Like this was completely real. Went to me. I, I, he was a young kid. He just goes, get out. Go, what? He goes, no, no, you have to leave now. I go, what? NWA. Yeah, NWA. He's like, no, Billy said you had to leave now. So I ended up like, I was just shoot ejected. Tyrus, like Kratos pulled his hamstring. There was, it was just chaos. Right. But like, but the ref left. With a situation, <laughs> You're yes. forgetting the part where I said, <laughs> I said, get the hell out of here. And he thought I was and talking to him to and he left <laughs> in the middle of the yeah. match. The referee went to the back and said, Tyrus kicked me out. And <laughs> Kratos was down. And luckily he was in a corner. Cause he's like, I can't, my, I think I pulled my growing. I couldn't even pin him because it was no ref. So I just started kicking him. And then I leaned over and I said, cause it was people on the outside. Everybody get in the ring, like just brawl. No, but everyone was too scared to get in the ring, <laughs> cowards. And and so I'm and I just gone. and Aaron left because he was told to kick out. And then all of a sudden, somebody I could see someone go up to the ref and be like, "You dumb mother, <laughs> not you, Aaron." And then he comes running back in and slides in the ring. I looked at him. I said, "We good?" And then I proceeded to drop an elbow and pin poor sweet Kratos, whose growing was ripped up into his stomach. As he, and one, two, three, and I was like, I just looked at him, and I was like, you know, you're never gonna work here again, right? You know, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> and we never did see him again. So, but no, he probably went home crying. Yeah, but he should have. But again, how we dealt, right? Ten years ago, I would have been completely incensed. Right now, I was like, what the hell in the beginning? And like, as were you, Mike? Right when when that happened right. to you this last taping, but within five minutes, right? we were actually kind of laughing pretty hard about it. Right. Yeah. Like finding like that. It wasn't as big of a deal because we had that perspective in my opinion. Right. Like, we, yeah. We didn't, a uh, perspective. Mike, didn't you, you and Myers had a match and it completely got changed. Like on the fly. Like you had like, like yeah. <laughs> set almost, almost the same oh, situation. Yeah. yeah. We were, <laughs> we had a whole match planned around VSK who was going to be ringside for Myers. And then, uh. Ding, ding, ding. We lock up. And as soon as we lock up, we notice that the ref is having a full on conversation with VSK ringside, not paying attention to anything we're doing in the ring. And we're trying to work and still look and like, what is he doing? And then we just see him shoot, eject the ref from ringside. And we're like, no, what are you doing? Stop. Don't do yep. that. And like, and, and, and so all of a sudden the ref comes over. He's like, Billy said he wanted him gone. And we're like, well, sh so now we got to figure this out. So while the camera's to, moving, mind you. <laughs> so we That's figured out, we finally took about, it matches about eight minutes. I would say about three minutes of us going back and forth while 
calling the match we had already prepared. We were trying to figure out the finish. Finally, we got on the same page. Just as we get on the same page, the ref goes, we're sending VSK back out. So he'll be here for the finish. And we both go, no, don't send him out because we don't need him. It's going to look stupid. But here he comes, comes creeping out to ringside. And we just went to our original plan and just got the, the pinfall that way. But the, apparently Billy just wanted him in the back. And so we just had to call it on the fly. But Aaron, like you said, I was pretty pissed off when I got to the back because it was one of those things where I was like, this didn't you need should to happen. Have been. Yeah, you should I have like, been. I believe I, I said, like, I believe I said to you, change. nobody knows but you and Myers. 100%. That's how I believe that's what I told you. Yeah, and that made me that that helped, and that actually like yeah. it was one of the, one of those things where like even now me and Myers will text each other and joke about it because Aaron, like you said, by the time I got back to the hotel, we were in stitches at the hotel restaurant talking about what happened and just going through about how ridiculous and crazy it was. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I would have been totally different ten years ago, but now I'm just like, all right, as a professional, I said my piece, I said why I was upset, and then let it go. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened to me and, and Dolph at a pay-per-view. We had uh yeah. we had six minutes, right? And the finish was that he was gonna go for uh his uh suplex, I'd counter, but throw him across the ring, headbutt splash, right? So we're we're going at the thing, and apparently <laughs> the audience of one enjoyed the match. And he said, Give him six more minutes. Uh, which <laughs> is an eternity. When you're at 554 and he hooks me for the suplex and the ref goes, you guys got six more. And I remember he said, don't let me suplex you. And I said, are you sure? (laughs) And we're laughing going, what are we going to do? And I said, "Uh, suplex me. And he said, I can't. (laughs) So I remember getting him up, reversing it, shooting him across, except this time. When I went for the headbutt, he wasn't there. I ate and then we went and we did our thing. But for five minutes, it was basically uh, we just were two kids playing in the backyard to and then get to, to where we needed to go. And we got in the back, and all Dolph said to me was like, hey, don't let me suplex you, brother. And it's literally no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in life, um, it literally is. I will just write that in my book, in my acknowledgments to Dolph. I have Dolph. Don't suplex me, brother. Like it's amazing <laughs> of all the matches because you yeah. forget you forget more matches than you can remember. And I'll always remember that moment. Not only the fact that I was so proud of myself because we literally called six minutes in a pay per view, uh, and nobody was the wiser. Yeah. And I remember uh, that's what Tenzai had said to me. He was like, "Hey, no one knows but uh, me." So I was kind of cool that I was able to come over to Bennett and say the same thing to him because I was watching the match because Myers does something. It's one of my favorite things that he does. Eddie Guerrero used to do it. He's the only guy who effectively uses a drop down. He's the only guy who will, because every time someone drops down, you always jump, run over him. He does it and you trip and fall. And it's just, I love it. It's, it's such a little thing, but I love it because no one else does it. And it's such an easy thing. So when I was at this, because you kind of go through like a foggy catch, haze. Catch him right I off the I see that go stuff. down, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yep, oh, I'm caught. I'm in yeah, now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm watching the match, and, he, and Mike <laughs> came through, and I was like, man, I love that match. And he was like, are you kidding me? I said, bruh, I look for <laughs> shit. That's all I do is look for right. I couldn't find anything. It was a free zone match. Yeah. Only you guys know of all the turmoil. And that's just – and then I said, that's why you're yeah. my favorite wrestler. So – um I, we got the entire tribe of Fox well, News watching you. us now, which means 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's right. Just, just, yeah, just checking. Just check yeah, right? right. we well, for more podcasts like this, <laughs> just like this, good <laughs> luck. You can check us out at foxnewspodcast.com. Mike, please come back. Absolute pleasure having you on today. Hopefully, EC3 is alive in Florida. The but storm's I'm real. Sure, I'm pretty sure he has Arnold Schwarzenegger commando paint on right now with his rifles with the door open going. He said he had his shirt off. He always has his shirt off. off. He's I, I always had his shirt the off. Yep. There'll be a snowstorm and his shirt will be off. So yeah. that's... Come on, you motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. and that's... Wow, his name used to be Derek. <laughs> so right, right, just, right, 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 right. <laughs> he's EC3 now. Yeah. He's apocalypse now if there ever was one. Uh, but all right. Well, hey, thank you all so much, man. Mike, please come back again uh, for yes, Aaron, sir. Trevor, yes. A-Ride, myself. Enough said. This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.